Welcome to Honey, I'm Homeschooling the Kids, a podcast that steps into alternative education, parenting, and living a funner, fuller family life. I'm Robin, home educator, unschooling mom to two funny, eclectic kids, and we're here to create a space for families to listen, connect, learn from others, and be inspired. Join us every two weeks to hear interviews and tips from experts in learning, education, and parenting, and stories from families that are playing full out in the arena of life and education. World schooling, unschooling, alternative schooling, homeschooling, or just creating a whole new style of learning. Are you looking for a unique learning system that is designed to recover learning loss, demystify learning, and make learning fun and easy? Then take a look at what Fearless Learners has to offer. Fearless Learners by Success Codes where all children can learn and grow fearless with a learning success coach by their side. Their certified learning success coaches make learning easy with their proven holistic coaching methodology, which is a unique and superior alternative to tutoring and teaching in all subjects. All of their coaches are certified teachers as well as certified learning success coaches who've left the school system to create the right environment to provide customized, and personalized learning experiences. You can find them at learningsuccessacademy.com. Welcome to the podcast. I'm happy you're here. And whether this is your first episode or your 156th episode, I appreciate you taking the time to be here. I also appreciate when you send me a message or DM me on social media and share feedback and what you've enjoyed or learned from different episodes of the show or within the community, as well as when you leave a review. And that's fantastic because that also helps this podcast to get seen and heard by more families that are looking to hear inspiration, encouragement, and information about how they can create or continue their unique learning journey. So another way you can connect is through my Patreon community, patreon.com slash honey, I'm homeschooling the kids, where I still offer a live Q&A each month, live with you, bring your questions. It's a group community coaching call, really, where we flush out what's going on, how we can encourage and support each other, and how we can move forward with our family values and purpose as well. And you can also join my newsletter. So if you go to my website and sign up for my newsletter, join the ride, you'll see that you can get a lot of the behind the scenes, things that we're doing, experiencing and planning within our family, and also things that are coming up within the community that I offer support in. All the links to joining my community, joining my newsletter are on my website. So here's what you can look forward to in this episode. I speak with Sarah and Anjali, who are the founders of Mountain Point Academy, and it's an online learning academy. And, you know, with all of the options that we have now, with the different ways that we can learn, online learning has become one that has really grown exponentially in the last couple of years. And here's the question. We have these options. Is it best for your family? Is it best for your child? And how do you know? And if you're looking at online learning, what is the one that is most aligned with your needs and values in learning? So we have a great conversation about how can we best support our kids? 
what in what ways can learners be most successful in their learning styles, especially if they're looking to online learning? And how can we as families or parents really decide which is the best place or even online learning support for our kids and for our learning values? What are some good things to look out for? What are some good things to remember? And if they are in an online learning community, how can we help them to be most successful within that space? So it's a great episode. Sarah and Anjali have worked in the online learning space for many years, since 2010, whether that is through middle school, high school, and even post-secondary online learning. So they offer great experience and feedback. And I would love to hear from you, your feedback on online learning. Do you use it? Do do your children use it full-time, part-time for a class here or two? And what's been your experience with it as well? All right, enjoy the episode. So today I have Anjali Ferguson and Sarah Buzalaki joining me. Anjali and Sarah have over a decade of experience in online learning, working in the field since its inception. They have a passion for helping students succeed, with, which led them to co-found Mountain Point Academy, an online school for grades 6 to 12. Their mission is to help provide students with a personalized approach to online learning, with one-to-one support for students to find joy in learning and citizenship. You can find them on Instagram at Mountain Point Academy, MTN Point Academy, on Facebook at Mountain Point Academy, and through their website, mountainpointacademy.com. And all of those are also in the show notes as well. So welcome, Angeline and Sarah. Thank you for joining me today. Yeah, thanks thanks for having us. So tell me a little bit about yourselves. How did you two connect and decide that you wanted to work in education and with young people? Mm, yes, we. So Angeli and I go way back. Um, we actually started working together at an online school. I, I started there first, and um, she came on board after. Um, and it was a startup school this was in 2010 2011 ish and we just hit it off right away so we became friends um, instantly and after years of working in the field for various online schools um, we just we, we kept the friendship going and we had crossed paths at several different places. So I, you know, I went somewhere, I was like, Hey, I know this person who'd be a great addition to the team, give Angelie a call. And, um, and after a while we, you know, we, we kept bouncing around the idea of starting up our own school. And after a while we just took the plunge and did it. So it was pretty cool, pretty cool journey that we've had. So, so how is it that, so online school from the very beginning, did just the fact that it was online attract the both of you? Uh, how did you get into that part of um, delivering an education that way and stayed in online? Mm, that's a great question. Um, so Angelie's story is a little bit different than mine. I, I actually came across the initial online school that I worked for by accident. Um, as I moved to a different state and I was just looking for work pretty much anywhere. Um, and I feel very lucky that I just fell into it. I have a background. Um, you know, I originally went to school to be a teacher in a brick and mortar school. That didn't happen. I ended up actually becoming an entrepreneur, starting other businesses. And I was even questioning whether I wanted to stay in education. 
Um, and so I accidentally came upon this online school, the initial one I started working for. And I was like, holy cow, this is different. This is kind of cool. And I stuck with it. So, and Angelia, I'll let her tell her story about how she came to her first online school. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I've always been passionate about education. I love learning. So I, you know, have gone on and gotten a master's degree and just continue to read and learn and grow. Um, and so I kind of came into the space by my brother was actually working at the school that Sarah was working at. And he knew that I was hating my job at a call center because it wasn't very challenging. It was just kind of answer the phone, answer the phone, repeat. That's what you do all day. And he said, well, hey, this online school that I'm working for needs a registrar. Do you want the job? And I was kind of like, sure, but what's a registrar, right? <laughs> so. So I sent in my resume and was hired and I was just kind of thrown right in the fire of being the registrar. So I learned very quickly the graduation requirements and, you know, helping these students succeed because really at that point, online learning was so new mm -hmm. that it was kind of this cutting edge, exciting thing to be a part of. And we were helping students that had been kicked out of brick and mortar schools mm -hmm. and that couldn't really finish their education in other ways. So it felt like we were really serving these students. And so I think that's what attracted and kept me in the in the space was, wow, this is innovative. This is providing an alternative for kids who are maybe getting expelled or kicked out of multiple schools and just don't have an opportunity to continue their education. And so I think that's kind of where the passion was born, where Sarah and I were like, hey, we're helping kids. This is awesome. Mm, okay. So I have a question about that as well. And I'm probably with your experience and insight, how um, how did it work for those students? Because see, it sounds like really this was like almost a last resort uh, for a lot of these kids because they were no longer welcome in traditional brick and mortar school. And it was kind of like, well, here you go. This is all you can do. How, how, like, how did it work for these students? How I'm thinking you would come in as a student feeling defeated and invalidated and almost disowned, abandoned in many ways. And your drive and motivation would be extremely low. You would almost be kind of like, forget you, you know, <laughs> that kind of idea. Um, how did you best support them in that environment for them? Yeah, that's a great question. I think it's, and that's kind of something that has evolved for Sarah and I working at other online schools and even within our own school is, yeah, it is kind of that mentality of, oh, great, I'm here because nobody else wants to give me a chance and I hate learning. And they do come in initially with that attitude of, well, forget this. Why should I care about learning? Because everything's abandoned me. I'm not smart. I'm, I've been told I'm stupid or I've been told I can't do this. And so a lot of times it's just, you know, having those conversations with the student and saying, look, like, we we just want you to get excited about learning again. And slowly they kind of come around. Some take more than others. Um, but, you know, having that conversation of, hey, let's figure out how you learn, right? Maybe that just wasn't the right setting for you. What's What's an opportunity for you to learn? And so that's something that Sarah and I really kind of pride ourselves on, especially at Mountain Point Academy, because some of the other programs that we worked at kind of didn't have the best approach to support those students. It was kind of just, all right, you're enrolled in an online class. Here you go. We'll give you a weekly report once a week and tell you what you can fix, essentially. But Sarah and I were like, hey, we need to kind of be that supporter for the student. And so that's where we have assigned 
academic mentors to each student so that they can have those one-on-one check-ins to have those conversations of, well, hey, what is it about school that's hard for you? What don't you like? How do you learn? Let's figure this out and just get you excited about learning again, because sometimes that's really half the battle. If they can just realize, hey, I am good at learning, even though I have been maybe kicked out of multiple schools or people have given up on me. And, you know, that's the rewarding part for us. One of our students recently told the teacher, um, we call them academic mentors, but essentially they are certified teachers. And she told her mentor, hey, you're the first teacher that has actually like been there for me. So thank you. Wow. You know, hearing things like that, that's like, yes, we're making a difference. Like, that's why we're doing this. And so I think that's that's the power of it, right? Just a little bit of belief in a student can go a long way as they are, especially in an online space. And Sarah, I don't know if you have anything else to add to that. Yeah, I think I think it's worth noting that when we did first start in that very first online school that we were a part of, um, there was a lot of trial and error and figuring out what works and what doesn't work in that online space. And so we were both at that school. We actually worked, I worked for a curriculum provider of an online curriculum provider for a while, a while. Anjali was at the college level for a while, um, a college that does online learning. And then we met back up at another, you know, different private online school. So we've seen a lot of different ways to do it. And at that last setting that we were at, that's when we were like, you know what? We are seeing the things that don't work Hmm. and the things that do work really well. And we were just at a point where, where it's like, okay, our ideas aren't necessarily being heard um, because we were just in the day-to-day stuff. We weren't decision makers in that school. And so that's when her and I decided let's do this. Like we're going to, we're going to do this. We quit our jobs, went full in, founded the school. And the biggest thing that we, the biggest takeaway that we had in the other online school settings that we were in was that it needed to be um, more relationship based more yeah. focused on the human aspect because there are a lot of online schools out there that are missing that piece. And we are in a unique situation where we, um, we're we still trying to provide that flexibility and um, offering our schoolwork in an asynchronous way so that families can access it at their own time without sacrificing the human component of it where we're, you, you're still able to meet with a teacher face-to-face. We have different um, you know, tiers of scalability where if you need more support or you want more FaceTime, you can get that with us. But you don't have to. If you're a very independent learner, great. You know, Be independent and we're just here when, when you need us. But that was the one thing that we saw that was missing is without that human support, it doesn't always work that well for students especially struggling students. Um, so we, we added that component. When we, we started assigning an academic mentor to every single student, we saw success rates just whew, go up and we're like, okay, now we're responsible. Like this is our responsibility. We can't go back to any old model that we were using. When, once we saw how successful it was, it was like, okay, this is going to cost us more in labor and this and that. We just have to figure out how to make it happen because as an educator, now we have that responsibility. We have, you know, the futures, the lives of young people in our hand this is just the way we have to do it from here on out. We can keep it scalable. We can keep it flexible, but um, no longer can we just let students off on their own without 
having that teacher there by their side, encouraging, supporting. So yeah, that's kind of how it evolved. Um, and to answer your initial question is how it works for students. Online learning um, isn't necessarily the best fit for every single family out there, but it's a great solution and it it can work really well for a lot of students, even those who are questioning um, whether or not it might work. It's worth a try. There's so many alternatives out there. You guys are doing the amazing homeschooling thing, and I think that's wonderful. Um, there's just so many alternatives out there that you're not stuck. You don't have to just stick with a brick and mortar public school if it's not working for you. You can try different things. You can try homeschooling. You can supplement with online school. Like what you know, we have students that use our program and graduate with us and stick with us all the way through the end. We have some that just supplement. It's it's scalable. It's flexible. There are options. <laughs> So you can find something that works. So have you have you found, because you guys have been in online learning space for a long time. So before 2010, that's well before even the shutdowns with COVID, right? When a lot of, um, you know, you, you began to see <clears throat> more options because you needed more options. And parents before, I think, um, just didn't know what was out there and what they could access and what was available. And now, because they were forced to look, they saw, oh, we do have opportunity, we do have choices, we do have options. But you've been in the online space from well before. And is that a big, has, has it really evolved a lot? Or has it been kind of the same? So you could, because you see the need for the human component, which I think really for any learner, wherever you are, that need for connection and safety and validation is fundamental to be for having a thriving learner and creating that, that learning environment. Um, so, you know, that's something that you guys recognized very early on and that you really work hard to implement and have there. It, do you see people understanding that or is it kind of pretty well the same in the online learning space for you know, for a lot of, a lot of places? Yeah, that's a good question. And really, I think it just kind of boils back to the values of each online school, right? Um, because everybody's different. Like there's, you know, people that can, and the reality is, you know, if you're not an accredited school, you can really do whatever you want. Like it's easy right. to say, hey, I'm going to start an online school, right? But if you don't go through the accreditation process to verify that, hey, this is like, we're we're doing the things that need to be in line to make sure the student is actually learning. I think for parents listening, you know, checking in on accreditation is huge because you want your child's education to mean something. And for a long time, especially when online learning first emerged, um, credit mills were huge where, hey, you pay us this amount of money, you're going to get a high school diploma. And it was like, okay, well, where's the learning? What's happening? What's the value of that? And so I think the evolution has come to where more online schools are being held accountable for accreditation and making sure that they're providing high quality work and challenging courses for students that's actually going to help them learn versus just, all right, here you go. This is the easy way out. Pay for this credit and you're done. So that was kind of one of the evolutions that we've seen. But also, again, it kind of goes back to the values. There are going to be some online programs out there still that are like, all right, here's your class. Let me know when you're done and I'll give you the credit without much support, right? It's very much, 
independent learning. Here you go. Let me know when you're done. And some schools do still operate like that. Um, others, you know, Sarah mentioned I was in an online um, college space and they're part of their values as well. We're like, all right, let's support the student from beginning to end. So they also had mentors assigned that were checking in with college age students just to make sure. So again, I think it comes back to the values of what each school wants to represent for their students, what level of support they want to represent for their students. Because, you know, like any form of education, you're going to have things on the spectrum of, you know, they're really, really good or they're just, hey, do your own thing. And so I think for parents, especially doing their homework and trying to figure out, well, what online learning style might work the best for my student? Do your research, you know, find out if the school that you're wanting to go has accreditation, because when it comes time for your kid to graduate high school, if it's not an accredited school and they have big dreams to go on to college, they might not be able to if that school is not accredited, because then those credits don't mean anything. It was essentially like, oh, hey, you watched everything on YouTube and now you claim you're ready to graduate high school, right? It's it's kind of that checks and balances to make sure that students are getting a quality education. And I think, especially with, you know, COVID shedding the light on everything, it's like now more, more than ever, it's important to do research so that those credit mills can kind of be weeded out. <laughs> I know, it's also um, it just going through the the whole shutdown process um, with COVID and all of that, it it was a little bit different when all of the schools decided to just digitize their curriculum. Yeah. Where we had already been set up to be an online school, so we were we were set up that way. Um, big difference between schools just scrambling to try to get things up on Google Classroom or whatever platform they had chosen the curriculum wasn't meant to be delivered in an online way. So it wasn't set up to be interactive. It was just last minute scrambling. How can I get worksheets out to my kids or whatever? You know, every school did it a little bit differently. So I think it was both good and bad for online learning. Good because it, like you mentioned, Robin, it was shedding light on the fact that, hey, there are other options here and kids who did really well with it parents are like, oh my gosh, like we could keep doing this. This is amazing. Um, and, and you're actually seeing now like parents who were seeing what their kids were learning. Yeah. That was very eye-opening <laughs> for many parents. Like, oh, okay, this is what you're learning. Like, wait, wait a minute here. Like, this isn't what I thought it was. This is when I thought you were going to school and learning every day. Um, the second, the second thing is um, how it's a positive, it was a positive that it opened parents' eyes to see the possibilities the negative part about it was that if they were part of a school district that did not do it well, it was like, oh, like this is online learning. This is no good. We, we hate this. This is we can't wait to get our kids back in school because this is not going to work for our family. Not realizing that not all online schools are like that. These schools aren't online schools. They're just trying to get their curriculum digitized. So big difference there. So it was it was good. And bad I think for um the online learning space but overall I think it it really did uh create more opportunities for families to see the alternatives that are out there and now more than ever I'm sure as you know I'm hearing so many families that are looking into homeschooling because mm -hmm. of it because it was like whoa I you know like 
to phrase this in a way that doesn't make, uh, you know, the brick and mortar school sound bad because it's not, it does work really well for students, but some parents were just like, wow, I could do this so much better with my kids and support their learning in such a better way. Um, so I think that was a great thing for alternative education. Yeah, I think so as well. I think it was a great thing for all families and educational institutes, no matter what it looked like, because for some, it was like you had to pivot and support your kids the best way you could. And then also seeing the differences and opportunities in creating, like, this is our world now. Um, it looks like this. Our world, like in our everyday, is moving so quickly with technology. And how are we still supporting and keeping up with this fast moving world that our children are? growing up in that is so different from how I grew up as well. And the access that they have is just, yeah, it's very different. And how quickly um, it shifted within just a couple of years, how things are presented in the classroom within the last five, even six, seven years as well. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. And of course, there's always the positives and negatives. I think I just learned a new term to compare digitized learning and online learning. <laughs> mm -hmm. I didn't ever different. think about, it's very different trying to just make sure you're what was in the brick and mortar school or classroom and then just putting, making it digital. So then it can be accessible that way, but it, there's a different adaptation. So I think it actually is really helpful for parents to, and anyone listening to understand some of the things that you can, when you're looking for something different, maybe something online, um, how they can do that. Things like check in on accreditation of the online learning program or school uh, and finding out what their values are. Do their values align with your family's learning values? That's always I, paramount. I think that's really important as well. And is the curriculum set up to be online or what they're offering? Is it set up to be online or is it just digitized learning where it's maybe not as engaging, not as flexible? You talked about asynchronous and, and synchronous learning. So for anyone that's not familiar, asynchronous is it's on your own time. It's not like your synchronous is it has to, you're taking a math class and you're only offering it Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays at 10 a.m. Pacific time. And so you have to be there. While, while it's asynchronous, here's your, you know, your schedule or your course and let's, you know, you create your time so it's flexible for you to, to do that within this certain a lot of time. Did I get that? Yeah, yeah, that's right. perfect. And I think I think that in and of itself is one of the biggest advantages of online learning. Um, you know, especially maybe for homeschoolers who are just supplementing with online learning is that it is asynchronous. At least our platform is not mm -hmm. all are. Um, we but we are are big on that because it's like, yeah, you design your schedule. You go maybe do school in the morning and then go live your life and experience things, you know. You're into equine, okay, go do horse training or do, go do you know, whatever you want to spend your time on or vice versa. If some students are better learners in the afternoon. So, right. hey, I know I can function better in the afternoon. I'm going to do school from noon to three or whatever. You know, it's it's the beauty of the flexibility, which I think is often overlooked in an online space because it has kind of that negative connotation of, oh, are they actually going to be getting an education? And mm -hmm. again, pros and cons, right? But if it works for your student, it can be really effective. So for families listening then, and they're looking at online learning and the choices that they have with Mountain Point Academy, if I'm a student, say I'm, I don't know, grade nine student, 
going into grade nine and I'm like, I'm interested in doing online learning. Maybe I homeschool and I want to do a couple of extra classes. I'm looking towards getting ready for maybe a future in university, or maybe I'm just looking at getting my high school diploma. So what would you say to me? Hi guys, I'm a new student. I'm inquiring about uh, registering. What does on, like, how would a program, what would it look like for me? I've always homeschooled. How, how can I do this? We would, we, when we first get a family on the phone, we identify the needs. Um, so are you looking to take most of your courses directly through us, you know, and have us issue the credits or homeschool families, you know, oftentimes are wanting to be the one issuing the credit through the homeschool that they've set up. And that's fine as well. So it's flexible. You can either have Mountain Point Academy issue the credit and we'll basically work with you, the stuff that you're doing at home. Um, we would see what we can capture as experiential credit. So you're doing something that's awesome at home. Like Angela mentioned the equine example. Okay. You train horses or whatever it is like, okay, great. Like how can we make that into an elective credit for you that Mountain Point Academy can issue the credit for? Some families just want to, again, like I said, have that be issued through the homeschool and that's fine. It's so flexible. Um, most of our, our full-time online students are only doing about four hours of school a day as far as um, like the structured school. The rest of the time is spent just you're really honestly exploring whatever you want to explore. And as many courses as we can make experiential, we try to do that. So with our electives, if we don't have an online course that fits your needs, let's talk about something that you're interested in and how we can get you some credit for that for high school because that's such there's so much value in that and stepping away from the computer which seems backwards right an online school saying get away from the computer but <laughs> right like get away from the computer you don't need to be spending 8 hours a day that's not what online learning should look like you shouldn't be just tied to your computer for 8 hours it's not you can't equate it to a typical school day where you're in school, you're in class for that amount of time. Um, you're getting rid of all of that extra downtime, the transferring between, you know, classes in the hallway or whatever it might be. And you're just compressing it into a shorter amount of time. So there's no need to be spending hours upon hours in front of the computer. We encourage you get away from the computer. As far as what it looks like for every student, totally different, totally different. We have students that are working jobs and also doing school at the same time. Um, We have students that are in different multiple schools. Like we had one student that was taking art courses at the local um, high school. So kind of a dual enrollment thing where um, we were the school of record, but she was able to go in person and take a few courses through her brick and mortar local school. Um, it's just, it's not, it's not the same for everybody. You design it how you want to design it. The one thing that we do tell every family is that it usually helps to have some type of rhythm in place, Mm -hmm. a rhythm or a structure that you can design. You're not tied, you know, we don't give you the schedule, but we find that students who have rhythms set in place and a good support system at home typically do much better have higher rates of success than those that don't. If you have a very, very hands-off parent that doesn't check in with the student or doesn't isn't aware of what the student is doing on a regular basis, 
um, we tend to see lower success rates than the families who are like, I'm not talking about helicopter parents, like counseling, like, what are you doing? Let me see what, you know, (laughs) but, um, but those that are checking in regularly are involved and are helping to facilitate the learning process. You don't need to be the teacher by any means. Like, you know, we have that covered. Um, but it does help to have a parent that is checking in with the student and providing that structure and that accountability. So Absolutely. Yeah. You mentioned, you know, specifically, like, let's say a student comes in that's maybe interested in like a university track and they say, well, hey, I'm interested in nursing. What could I do in high school to help support that? Um, We have a lot of career tech type courses that would allow them to explore nursing and see, is this a good fit for me? And in addition to that, we also have students do an assessment, which is kind of like a bunch of brain games. To kind of see where are your strengths at? What are you naturally capable of doing, right? Where where are your strengths? Are you good at spatial reasoning? Are you good at critical thinking? Are you good at problem solving? And so these brain games kind of kick out a report that's individualized to each student. And the cool thing is, is it really just highlights all the strengths. Like it doesn't say, oh, you're bad at this. It just says, hey, this is where you're good at. This is the one you're ranked at next. And then it matches up different career paths that that student might be good at. So it gives them an opportunity as well to kind of, A, see the purpose of learning. Oh, hey, if I learn this, I could be this person, right? This is the career I'm interested in. Or if they have no idea like what they want to be when they grow up, they can look at this report and kind of play around with some ideas in some areas and see if that's even something that interests them. And that's a way for them to get those elective credits towards their high school diploma while also kind of exploring these general career opportunities that maybe they're naturally inclined to gravitate toward as well based on their strengths, which is pretty cool for students. Yeah, it really is. And it gives you a good, like that feedback and that, you know, visual, that visualization, but also being able to to see into the, like, if I'm starting here and I want to go here, these are the steps and and this is where I'm, I do well at, and this is what I can enhance as well. Yeah, absolutely. It gives a little bit of context to learning. It does, which is important because I think sometimes that's where, especially when, you know, you have minds that are still developing and putting together, especially your executive functioning, not having the context and learning can create huge gaps because then it sometimes it becomes like, I'm just doing this to do this. I don't really understand it. I'm just doing the motions, but I'm not understanding the value and really what's like the why in it. And when you get your why, then it changes the game in so many totally. ways. Totally. I think, I think that's half the battle, especially for those students that already struggle with school, right? Like, yeah. why do I need to learn math? When am I ever going to use this? You know, we can go, well, hey, remember those brain games you did? Like, that was math. And look how it can apply to X, Y, Z, right? You might not have to do algebraic equations every day of your career, but at some point, those skills you picked up for critical thinking, problem solving, those are the type of skills that employers are going to be looking for. So if you have the attitude of, all right, this it has a purpose, even though I might not be a mathematician, then it kind of changes the ball game for them to be like, oh, okay, I get this. There is some context. There's a reason I'm having to learn this. Yeah, 100%. Okay, so then if I'm also a... Okay, so say I have a sibling who is eight years old and same, we're looking for, you know, the, you know, we're, we're looking for maybe some online classes. 
What do you usually uh, suggest with parents who have younger kids? Is online really the place? Is it more a time to be home and play and experiment and connect? Um, I know I ask this because I also know, for example, Mountain Point Academy is grade six to 12. And I know a lot of online schools, um, even with our local public school as well, they, I think, are only seven. Or actually, you know what? Like it shifts. There's some offered seven to nine, but mostly it's 10 to 12. And, um, you know, there's reasonings behind that. What do you recommend when you're like under the age of 11, for example, or under the age of 12? That's a great question. Um, And currently a topic of discussion with our leadership team, actually. (laughs) So the timing is, is great because since we started, we've been grades six to 12. Initially, we started that way because of the need um, that we were trying to fill with the certain population that we were serving. We serve a lot of students who are currently in residential treatment along with our individual families. And most of the treatment centers that we work with are middle school, high school. So we didn't have a huge need for the elementary uh, curriculum. That is shifting with how just... Um, the way that mental health services are provided and younger students needing more mental health support. Mm. And so we've actually been approached by some of the groups that we work with, like, have you guys ever considered going down a few grade levels, maybe fourth, fifth grade curriculum and um, working with those students? And goodness, that's a tough question because um, the way that we are structured is to be an independent learning platform that is teacher supported and younger kids, like you said, should they be just playing and um, experiencing and, you know, just using all of the senses available. Right. And Mm -hmm. the more that you shift that and the younger that you start providing um, a lot of online learning, that piece can get lost if a family isn't careful. So families out there that are looking to maybe supplement, I think there are a lot of great online learning tools out there and something that we might eventually provide. But it's a tough thing to say that this should be the primary way that a student is learning at Mm -hmm. that age level. I mean, there's just so much development happening and just a lot of benefits is just like get outside and learn from your surroundings and not necessarily do that in an independent learning way. Yeah. So um we're still we're still talking about it. We're still having these conversations because now there is a need that we might need to fill because students who are fourth and fifth grade in a residential treatment center might they might not be able to just get outside or learn experientially that we might have to just shift some things to support those students. But in the end, there are so many rich learning experiences that can be done away from the computer. So that's why we are just, we're still bouncing these ideas around. Angela, I don't know if you have anything to add to that. Yeah, no, I think I think this is kind of an ever-evolving conversation, you know, because as I read more books and see the brain science, like, you know, I think the latest is that your brain is not fully developed until you're 25, right? Mm-hmm. And even as adults, that technology is not the best for our brains. And so for kids that are so young, you know, it's maybe two hours of screen time max a day 
is what's recommended, you know, and if they need to be doing school for four hours, how does that play out, right? Like that's double the amount of recommended screen time for a child. And so I think it is kind of that delicate balance of, hey, maybe some online learning is good. You know, maybe let's, oh, you're interested in this. Let's watch a YouTube video. Let's learn how to do it. But then let's go do it hands on, right? And kind of pair it so that you're getting that element of, because really technology is not going away anytime soon, right? It's going to be absorbed in children's lives, adults' lives. And so I think it's a, it's finding that balance of what's, you know, good technology versus just bad technology. And so I think, I think there's a lot of value in, yeah, maybe watch a YouTube video, but then have them do it hands on versus just, okay, you're going to learn everything and I'm going to pop you in front of a computer, right? Right. (laughs) So it's, yeah, it's finding that balance. And like Sarah said, it's kind of an ongoing conversation because maybe kids, you know, their attention span. I know when I talk to my nieces and nephews who are under the age of 10, if they're on technology, they're totally tuned out to what's happening around them. You can say their name five, six times and they're just laser focused, right? Which that can be good if they're learning something. But if it's like they're just zoning out on some mindless, you know, watching kids play video games or opening up the toy eggs or whatever those videos kids watch, you know, that's that's not really helpful learning. And so I think it is just a matter of like what your values are as a family, what you want your kids to be absorbing and how you want them to be spending their time. Right. And and again, it's that that balancing act, I think, for for kids. And it's one of those things that as an online school, there's. We've been approached by group clients that we work with, families. Hey, can you offer this? And the reason that we are just slow to offer it and want to make sure that it would be done in the right way is because, yes, we could easily collect a tuition payment from a family. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if we want to look at it from just purely a business profit standpoint, hey, that could be money in our pocket, right? As a school. We just don't want to offer something if we don't truly know that is going to benefit the student. So we're not going to offer it for just the sake of offering it. We just have to have more of these conversations, more research before it's something that we start offering. Because if we're going to do it, we want to do it right. We want to make sure that it's something that's actually helpful to families, not just allowing a, a family or a parent to take what might seem like the easy route. Like, oh, I can just stick my kiddo in front of a computer. That's easier for me instead of having to come up with hands-on learning activities right but so yeah so I hope that answers the question is we're entertaining the idea but we just want to make sure it would be done in the right way before we even think about proceeding further with it Mm -hmm. okay yeah no that absolutely does um and I think sometimes that is maybe a parent has a younger child and they are looking just to like you know I don't want to say a babysitter almost but Okay, that I can I feel better if they're engaged with a learning activity or a class so they can do this while I do this. Um, I mean, sometimes it's just the reality of school is it, you know, the, all of those hours in the day sometimes become childcare for us, right? So parents can work and do those things. The economy can continue on. And I mean, that's just this, how it is, right? It's just like, I know people might get a little bit uncomfortable with me saying it, but it does provide a service for our economy in order to do those things as well. So, um, but with the changes, like a younger brain where I agree, I think so much should be playing and discovering and experiencing life and taking the chance to connect with those around you. And absolutely, you can supplement things with um, online what what you're getting, but to do that at a younger age 
and be in front of a computer just doing online classes that, you know, I, I do think the senses should be engaged as well. And um, and even those who do a lot with screens and online learning still families that I know, they still take the time to be there with their kids. They're beside their kids. They're talking about what they're doing. They're connecting. They, you know, it's an extension of how they do things as well. So um, yeah, it can be very different from that. And then just here you go. See you later kind of thing and answers as well. Okay. So I have one other question that came up then <laughs> while we're saying this. And then after I would like you to share how Anyone listening can connect with you and answer more and ask questions and learn more. One of the things that you had said that works if you're an online learner that really supports your learning and where you see success is develop having your rhythms developed like within your home and also good a good support system at home. Um, so if you're a student, for example, who is in a treatment center that maybe does not have that. Um, support at home or has that disconnect? How do you, is it through the academic mentorship that you help support them and connect with their counselor or wherever they are so that they do have that support? How does that, uh, like what does success look like mm -hmm. for them then? Yeah. Kids who are currently in residential have their supporting staff, right? Whether mm -hmm. it's like a life coach or um, residential staff that are there, 24 seven. So while they're currently in residential treatment, it works well because we work hand in hand with the staff, with the therapists um, who are just surrounding that child and providing that support. But you're right. They might come from a situation where the home support isn't the best. And some of these students still do want to pursue online education because it worked really well for them while they were in treatment. And they're like, Hey, is this something I can keep doing from home? Absolutely. You absolutely can. We will assign a mentor to the student just like we do with all of our students. And it might mean that that student needs to just scale up a little bit more. Mm -hmm. So instead of just, you know, some students opt to just meet once a month with the mentor. Some are meeting every single week. Some are meeting with our teachers several times a week. So for students who might not have that level of support at home, maybe parents are both working or if you're a single parent household and maybe that parent's trying to make ends meet work or for whatever reason, you just don't have that level of support. We can still work with you. That's not a problem. We will just uh, recommend a greater level of support from our own staff and teachers and more FaceTime um, because it acts as another layer of accountability and just somebody who's in your corner saying, hey, I see what you're doing. I support you. I'm here for questions. Um, and, and that's one thing to note, too, is um, with our teachers, every single assignment that our students submit, we have real live people <laughs> looking at everything that you submit. Where some things, multiple choice might be auto-graded, our teachers literally look through everything that you submit. So you're getting real-time um, feedback in the things that are like the multiple choice, true, false, but you're also getting that human feedback from somebody that knows what you're doing, is paying attention to you, sees what you're doing. So students can feel seen and heard and, and have that that person that they can go to. So, and we've seen some really cool um, relationships develop between student and mentor and students that sometimes leave one of our RTCs, residential treatment centers have requested, Hey, is there any way I can stay with 
the mentor that I had yeah, at that group because we had that connection. And mm-hmm. I just, I would love to stick with that same person. So it is cool when you see those relationships develop and our mentors just pour into these kids. And like Anjali had mentioned earlier on, um, sometimes it takes a little bit to break down some walls that might be set up. And the first time we meet with students, you know, sometimes it's arms crossed, leaning back in the chair, no eye contact. And then to see that change over the course of sometimes even just a few weeks is amazing. And it usually starts when the student just knows that they're loved. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter how I'm performing with school. You know, you're still going to meet with me every single week. Ask me how how I'm doing, how I can support you. And when the student starts realizing, oh my goodness, no matter how I perform with school, this person still cares about me and is still showing up for me. That's when we see cool things start to happen. So absolutely. We all want to be seen, heard, and recognized for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's the power of the relationship-based aspect because yeah, they feel like, oh, I have somebody here supporting me. I'm gonna be held accountable. So I know that I'm gonna have to show up as well. And you know, it's kind of that connection that goes both ways. So yeah, yeah. Very absolutely. Cool. Well, thank you, Angeli. Thank you, Sarah. This was fantastic. I think it also provides a lot of insight for parents because there's those options for online learning now, what to, how, you know, what to look for, how to, you know, gauge what works with families as well, supports your kids and um, yeah, how the values connect which is which is priority. So can you share how we can connect with you, Mountain Point Academy, the best ways to learn more and reach you? Yeah, for sure. We always love to have conversations with parents um, because like we mentioned, each situation is unique. And so if you are a parent listening, wondering if online learning could be a good fit for your student, you can set up a free consultation call with us at mountainpointacademy.com backslash let's chat and that will take you directly to our calendar where you can set up a 15 minute consultation we'll talk with you answer your questions help see if online learning could be a good fit and yeah just through our website mountainpointacademy.com we're also on instagram at mountainpointacademy that's mtn point academy and then also on facebook so be sure to connect with us wherever, whichever platform you use. And we're happy to answer any questions and just help you see if it is a good fit for your student. Right. No strings attached. You know, we just, we love to hear your story. Um, Online learning isn't the right fit for everybody, but I think parents would be surprised. Families would be surprised um, the different ways that it can either supplement what you're doing or be a really cool alternative. So even if you're thinking about it, um, we're, you know, we won't do the hard sell on you. Like we just want to talk. We want to learn about your situation. And if it feels like it might be the right fit, great. If not, at least you can come out of the conversation, um, having more knowledge about online learning than when you came in. So we're just, we're happy to talk with anybody. Fantastic. Thank you. And I'll put all of that in the show notes as well. So if you're listening, you can just go to the show notes for easy access as well. Okay. Thank you. Thank you so much. Good to speak with you both. Thanks for having us, Robin. We appreciate it. Absolutely. This episode was brought to you by Fearless Learners by Success Codes. Book your free clarity coaching call with one of their learning success coaches at www.learningsuccessacademy.com. 
or check out their free weekly show, From Fear to Fearless, on Wednesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time. Go to learningsuccessacademy.com. Thanks for tuning in today. If you enjoyed this episode, please share, leave a review or comment. I'd love to hear your thoughts, ideas, and reflections on the episode. You can go to the website, imhomeschooling.com, or email me directly, robin at imhomeschooling.com. Mm-hmm.